basically we realize that the reactions that we're we're coming up with don't help us in fact mm -hmm. they are they're based on outdated information and then it's just a matter of going into the logic and and uh clearing clearing the data that doesn't serve us any longer good morning good afternoon good evening wherever and whenever you are watching or listening this is the holistic monitor and i'm your host nick sconia the Holistic Monitor podcast is a weekly show featuring guest interviews with discussions about self-discovery, philosophy, spirituality, and our relationship with the world around us. Your support this last year has meant the world to me, and you can now go to holisticmonitor.com to support the topics you want to hear with our new show merchandise, featuring hats, t-shirts, hoodies, and more. You can also support us by simply sharing your favorite episode with your followers. And with that, let's get the show started. Charlie Seville, you are an author of three books, and you work specifically in, is it emotional intelligence or... Um, emotional strengths or is it both what would you categorize yourself I, I, as yeah with? i actually like to call it the intelligence of emotions the intelligence of emotions so more like recognizing the power of emotions and the power that that uh that these emotions have over us maybe no more uh, actually uh, recognizing and engaging with the fact that everything uh, every feeling we have, every emotion we have, is actually um, a package of data mm. that we can uh, discover uh, and uh, dive into and reveal what lies behind it. Okay. So more on uh, like the depths of where something comes from in time or uh, like with, what is the source of this emotion in the present yeah. time? Or how it relates exactly, to the past. you're right. Well, so I, I think it's it's both. Um, so uh, as we all know, um, let's talk about perhaps um, the less comfortable emotions that we have. Um, they will inevitably be inevitably be tr uh, triggered in the present. Hmm. Something someone says, something someone does or doesn't say or doesn't do. Um, that will classically trigger a reaction inside us. So in that sense, uh, the emotions are linked to the present day. Mm. But when we dive into uh, and engage with that feeling, we find that it's actually built on a logic that comes from our past, typically from our very formative years. Yeah. Yeah, they all seem to stem from... Uh, usually what I see is five years and under. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the Jesuit said not to seven, wasn't it? Um, so I think, okay. yeah, not to seven, not to eight. Um, yeah. That's the the uh, the moment where for really for our survival, we're um, we're, we're designed to be hardwired by what our parents, our carers are telling us. Mm. So uh, if we imagine we go back long enough where there were predators that could, um, uh, you know, uh, endanger us, um, 
we needed to be able to react quickly to that threat. And therefore, whoever was looking after us, if they said run, that wasn't the time to say, uh, well, why? Or, or, you know, is there another way? We, we just needed to run. So, um, you know, we, we're actually in, in terms of brainwaves, in pretty much a hypnotic uh, state in those early years. So what we sponge up from our parents or our carers becomes hardwired into us for good or for bad. And then that becomes our, let's call it our basic software for dealing with the world unless we change it. And uh, we take that into our adulthood. And then when we are um, met by something that perhaps doesn't meet with our expectations, someone, as I say, says something or does something uh, and that presses a button, what's happening is that our, our subconscious is scanning our past uh, and looking for the best immediate response to that uh, action for us, for our ongoing security. Um, which inevitably it is according to the logic we've bought, but it doesn't mean to say it is, it is the best reaction. It's just like so our, we have the survival mode and that's priority. So it comes up with a message. It doesn't mean to say we have to take that message. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Um, so there's a lot of uh, what does our learned experience tell us? And then are we acting on our best um are are we ask are we acting in our f current on the best intel from our past on yeah, you know are exactly. we sourcing is, to is the that right the spot best intel yeah and okay. i would say that that sort of reiterate that that is the best intel of how to react for our survival because that's our that's the the, the, the kind of the fastest message that needs to come up yeah um but obviously most of us most of the time these days, our survival isn't uh, at risk. Um, and therefore, we will find that we can probably react um, when our buttons are pressed in a more considered, a more uh, sophisticated way than, than maybe our emotions are suggesting straight up. So it's not that our emotions are wrong, it's just that they're, they're working at a certain priority. Um, the interesting uh, opportunity comes where basically we realize that the reactions that we're we're coming up with don't help us in fact mm -hmm. they are they're based on outdated information and then it's just a matter of going into the logic and and uh clearing clearing the data that doesn't serve us any longer yeah now you in your in your books um what is your most current book that you're that you've written so the most recent book i did was one on motivation um i think the one closest to my heart is uh, just called feel and it's mm. about how to engage with what we feel in order to be wiser happier and healthier um, and i think perhaps um th there was a moment um some years back which was sort of key for me um sort of going on this journey. And that's when I situations conspired to make me feel really very, very lonely. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a very uh, strong um, emotion that hit me. Um, but instead of 
Uh, and I would say it wasn't actually real. It was really a projection, but it felt very real at the time. And uh, but instead of sort of doing what perhaps I would normally have done, which is either sort of talk myself out of it or try and reason with it or run away from it, mm-hmm. I decided uh, to to really sit with that feeling, to be with it. In fact, I I really challenged it to do its worst with me. Um, and probably after about an hour and a half, and, it, and I think it seemed a lot longer, mm-hmm. um, something really miraculous happened in that this, this feeling just, it almost ran out of juice and it disintegrated. Mm. And in, in its place came this incredible um, peace, this incredible stillness, this silence. Um, it was a silence that was packed full of potentiality. And this was a huge kind of eureka moment for me because I, I thought, well, no, wow, that's really so interesting that a feeling can actually take me somewhere mm, mm-hmm. rather than just being this thing that I then had to react to in a certain way. Here it was taking me somewhere and somewhere amazing. That begged the question to me, well, one, one, what is a feeling? Yeah. And two, where else can it take me to? Right. And and from that, I then, um, you know, decided to put all my time and effort really into understanding what this thing that we call a feeling or an emotion, what is it? What's it capable? What, what's it really telling us? Um, and I think my starting point was that I had this sort of hunch or thought process, which was, if you look at the first peoples, if you go back far enough, look at pre-language, how did we navigate the world? And I think it was clear to me that our feelings must have played a huge part to this. So if we think about it, you know, there are many plants out there, for example, that are, are toxic. Um, I didn't believe that mankind kind of navigated their way through what plants to eat on a kind of trial and error basis, because you think of the, the casualty level would have been very high. Yeah. Um, they felt their way. They felt they tuned into a plant and felt whether it was good for them, whether it could heal them, whether it could nourish them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came across there were two um, researchers, Lynn Gertz and uh, Tom Wolfe, and Tom Wolfe in particular, he uh, wrote, um, I think it's The Origin of Wisdom, Hmm. and um, he basically connected with this tribe in uh, Malaysia um, called the Sungoi, and they live in the jungle, they're semi-nomadic, and he would go into the the jungle and meet them and, and try and you know discover their their ways which had remained largely unchanged and, and funny enough he was always amazed by the fact that when he went into the jungle um walk for hours in there he'd always find on the path that he would be met by one of the tribe members mm. and he he would say to them well you know how did you know that i was coming <laughs> and they said well i didn't know that you were coming but i felt i had to be at the path mm here today at this time so when i read that i I realized yeah that that's it you know they really used 
feeling mm. to navigate literally the world, but also navigate what they eat, what they did, how they acted. Um, and you know, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, the name of your show, The Holistic Monitor, you know, we think of being holistic as kind of mind, body and spirit, or at least that's what I think of holistic tradition is mind, body and spirit, how to integrate those. Right. But there's also another aspect to holistic, which is being holistic, working, not just at the where we are culturally and philosophically today, working up in the head mm -hmm. uh, most of the time. But uh, we were designed, evolution designed us, nature designed us to work holistically within our body, intellect, heart and guts and whole body all working together. And that's what the first peoples did. Yeah, I mean, that that is uh, I think that there's a greater awareness of that now. Uh, than there was before uh, because of science kind of catching up a little bit with the uh, metaphysical realms and science is starting to be able to see into more of that. Uh, there is more of an awareness that, yes, we're operating on five senses that are overruling or riding, overriding other senses that are there that aren't necessarily something we would think of as a sense, but... Uh, you can have a sense that there's going to be an oncoming um, deer in the road. That's one I have that I use a lot. I say, I, I would like, you know, subconscious, I would like to know if there's going to be a deer in the road before I get to it so that I can slow down. All you got to do is call out to me and say deer, and I'll have no idea why I'm thinking of it all of a sudden, but I will slow down. And uh, it seems to be a, a it's worked many times and i have to be listening i have to be actively ready to hear such a thing and recognize that my thoughts all of a sudden deer comes in huh <laughs> you know? and then recognize that that actually is my signal to slow down but exactly. on yeah. that same line it does seem that the motions uh play a part to that but a lot of what it seems is that i need to fine tune the emotions and wield it rather than allow it to necessarily take control because they seem to want to override or uh, over experience a moment or it might shield out other uh, impressions or perceptions that are happening in the field uh, do you, are you getting that kind of uh, understanding with emotions that there's there's a need for it yeah to... yes no the, i mean there's there's no question um that emotions can um, can be very powerful, and um, I think we're also taught to be quite uh, afraid of them, mm. which doesn't help. Right. Um, so I kind of go back to that, you know, that story I said where you know I had that feeling of loneliness, and and, and I guess my 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 training, my conditioning would be to, in some way, suppress or run away from that. But when I uh, took the time to be with it, and perhaps that's the challenge, isn't it? Is that we live these these fast lives, fast and busy lives. Um, that it's it's quite difficult sometimes to find the time to to actually give our feelings the space. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time, we're kind of we like 
we get a maybe a, an uncomfortable feeling we're just like straight away no i can't i haven't got time to deal with this i've got to move on and then we uh, and we do yeah um so what i'm really talking about is 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 when you have a particular emotion i guess that you you and you don't have to do it at the time you could think oh well, i'll go back to it later but at some point to kind of engage with that and just to ask what's going on what is going on here uh, and then to find the story and then if you find that the story is based on uh, a fiction or something that's outdated to to clear the the electrical charge um that 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 comes with that so what does that mean well you know let's say yeah, you you come back. You're you're six or seven years old. You come back from school. Uh, you show your mother, your 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 father, your test results. They're not great. Uh, they've had a bad day, um, and uh, they snatch it out of your hand and say, "You're not good enough." Now, as a child, because your survival is dependent on them they must be right otherwise you're in big trouble hmm. so they're right that means you're not good enough and you take that in literally uh as i say and it goes in at a hardwired level right so now you begin to build your life on that uh on that statement on that understanding now it doesn't always have to be bad you can you can uh you can build your life to say i'm going to prove that i am worth something right or you can go i'm going to prove that i am i'm not worth anything um but the reality is either way that is that is the wrong information but it can't when it at the time that it came it's fully loaded and therefore it creates this charge which becomes frozen in your body and it will stay there in 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 glorious hd surround sound forever and forever just be a be a factor in deciding how you react today maybe decades later unless you go back into it and clear that charge you can't can't clear the memory the memory it is what it is but you can clear the charge so that it doesn't uh, shape your actions yeah yeah, we in our system of uh, SAF, we do something very similar to that, um, and we call them dragons. These uh, bound up, but not necessarily just the one event. It's the chain reaction that happens from that one event to another event that's related, uh, creating another charge that gets locked. The experience upon experience, when it comes up over and over again through a lifetime, creates this this serpentine appearance of an electrical charge that is binding the emotional energy. Um, and initially I thought it is to slay the dragons, but really it is to tame the dragons. It's more about exactly. yeah. going in, yeah. discharging, um, d taking the power away, right? And yeah. then you can't get rid of the memories. In fact, you're empowered by those memories by having control over those memories. Um, now, what is your method for going back? Let's say you're 40 years old. Um, you know, you have this reoccurrent headache, and it seems to be maybe triggered by some kind of environmental emotion that's that comes up in you. Um, something happens around you, and you get a headache. 
uh, maybe you can link it to fear, let's say. What would be your your way of saying, look, let's investigate this fear and see how we can get rid of the charge? Yeah, okay, so I'm going to, if I may, and I'll keep me on track here, please, okay. <laughs> but I'm going to answer this question in a slightly roundabout way. So um, when I was about, uh, yeah, I think it was when I was seven, my dad had a, a catastrophic stroke and that left him kind of paralyzed on the right-hand side. And he was right-hand sided. Um, uh, he was also a super talented linguist and he lost eight, probably 80% mm. of his voice capacity. Wow. And this set about a kind of chain reaction um, that, uh, sort of wreaked havoc in my life as well as his as well as my family's um later he and my mother got separated he went to live with uh, that his mother um in a house which was actually then a school like a summer school mm. in uh in england in um uh, surrey and um i guess i think it was probably in my early 30s um, I was driving quite near there with my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, and um, I just had this idea, let's, let's go back and see if we can see. I knew the school had since been sold mm. and had been developed into a kind of like a housing uh, estate. And I thought, well, I'd, I'd really like to see what's left there. Um, so I drove to this place, found it, and sure enough, all these new houses have been built. But they'd left certain... It was a very beautiful sculpted grounds that had to the school. It was really, it was a kind of amazing setup. Mm -hmm. And they left certain of these features. So we I were kind of walking around. Oh yes, I remember that bit. Oh, I remember that bit. Mm -hmm. And and then suddenly I came to this, this pond, um, just around a corner, down some steps. And it, I used to remember seeing these little boatmen, these little things that float on the top of the water and it had like lilies on it. And it was, it, it was, absolutely unchanged from what i remember whatever 35 years before mm. and it it just clicked something in me it it opened me up and i i couldn't stop crying mm. and it was like uh, i mean for three hours i didn't mm. i wasn't even clear what i was crying about but it was it felt inside me there was this huge black space like a vast space inside me of just never-ending darkness mm -hmm. and i i just wept and i wept and i wept until maybe three hours later it just was i cleared it out and it struck me then how how was so much kind of pain so much charge in my life I hadn't even been aware, three hours before, I hadn't even been aware of it. <laughs> yeah. So tying into your question, part of the challenge is that we're so good at concealing the issue. Mm -hmm. we, we have this capacity to hide all this pain, hide these, these electrical charges. So the first thing, I think we have to do is we actually have to find out what is the issue here and and this is where our emotions are utterly brilliant so the the process is 
firstly to get down into our bodies what, what does that mean that's kind of get comfortable sit in the chair feel your weight of the body in the chair do a few nice deep breaths feel the, the movement of your body with each breath that just brings the attention and awareness down into the body mm-hmm. and then we could just ask the question in the, in in the case of your example what is the emotional issue block uh, connected to my headache mm-hmm. and how does it feel now almost certainly the intellect will start trying to come in with oh well it's because of this it's because of that but we're <laughs> not interested in what the intellect is thinking right because the intellect already hasn't worked it out we know it hasn't worked it out because we're asking the question so we're not interested in what the intellect is thinking we wait until we get a feeling that arises in the body somewhere very typically it'll be like the chest area or the throat area or the gut area mm-hmm. then there's a really super neat um process which is just if we describe that feeling you know is it round is it heavy does it have a color does it have a texture what shape is it that that process of description it's called giving a handle to the feeling it, it mm. basically makes it more substantial more stable tangible. and something that we can now engage with the tangibleness so now we, yeah so now we've got something that we can start talking to so we can start trying to put a name on this feeling so we've asked the question what's the emotion connected to the headache we've got the feeling but now we've got to find out what that emotion is and that and the feeling will tell us hmm. so we can just sort of start tuning in and what is it oh yeah it's fear but hang on fear's not fear what fear about what because fear is a it could fear doesn't get us really any closer it sort of points us in the right, the right direction so fear what is it fear about uh or losing control yeah and you can kind of feel you're getting close perhaps i mean you maybe you'll nail it straight away but you're feeling getting it close but here's another neat trick is when you name it absolutely spot on mm. the feeling will move mm. so it's fear oh yeah oh, it's fear of being rejected because i'm not good enough oh that's it and then the feeling moves now you're on it now you're on the trail mm. but you're only at level one right so now we want to work down the logic what's underneath this feeling of fear linked to not being accepted because they're not good enough and then bang another feeling comes in and you repeat the process and every time you repeat the process you'll find it'll come down to a moment literally you can you could say when was the first time i felt this feeling and how did it feel and you'll it's incredible you'll feel oh yeah i was i could feel i'm like six or seven. Oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, my dad said he'd be a a, a a soccer match he didn't come and uh, i felt i wasn't good enough so, and now you're like now you're the heat of the moment right and then you can work on the heat of the moment so the beauty there is that you know specifically what issue is causing the headache now you can work on the, the a ground level a foundational level at what it is um that's at the root cause of that mm-hmm. yeah that's great yeah and that's a good explanation and 
uh, an exploratory approach to uh, what I would call self-discovery, a, a means of finding out more yeah. about that hidden self. Which I think people yeah. put a lot of mystery around this know thyself. And really, this is what we're talking about is, is uncovering these power centers that are bound up, have been bound up since yeah. we were little. Um, and on yeah. purpose, I think it's on purpose. Uh, it seems to be. Well, of course, it's it, it gets us it gets us through life, isn't it? It's yeah. our it's our logic of how to protect ourselves to sail the choppy seas of life. Right. Um, and you know, it worked. It worked because we got we got to today. Yeah. But the, the problem is, is it still relevant? Yeah. Is there a better way of looking at it? Is there a better process by which we can deal with the things, the slings and arrows? that life throws at us. Um, so you're absolutely right. That, that is, if you like, is the nuts and bolts of know yourself. Yeah. It's understanding what drives you. Um, and there's a couple of other aspects to that, which I think are worth mentioning because in realizing that, so there's, there's, a, there's a, a mechanical gain there, which is that we clear that we clear the, the the charge. We clear the headache. That's great. Mm -hmm. Or we clear how we react when someone doesn't do something or says a particular thing. We clear that. Right. But there's a, a, a there's a secondary gain and there's a, a, a tertiary gain. The second secondary gain is that we actually see how mechanical that is. Mm. That isn't spontaneous living. That isn't our true nature. That's mechanical. It's a program. Right. Ideally, what we want to do is we want to come at a situation, someone says something, someone does something, where we're spontaneous rather than acting out of this outdated history. So the more we see how mechanical a lot of our behavior is, the more we can step back from our immediate reaction and go, well, hang on, but actually, let's just relax here and... and feel what's appropriate to react. So that's a, mm -hmm. a kind of second payoff, a payoff there. The next thing is that there is this um, other aspect, which is when you get down into that most repressed part, you are at the closest, the thinnest veil between yourself and your, what I would call true nature your unconditioned self. I don't, it's, I'm not entirely sure why it is, but I'm absolutely certain that's the case. Mm -hmm. So in terms of how do you actually um, clear that charge, what I do is invite people to connect to a part of them that isn't completely untouched by this story and indeed any story in their life. There is a part of us that is completely untouched by the dramas of our life. And you can literally feel that. And then by getting the two bits to talk together and to resolve, the bit that is pure is so much more powerful that it will clear that, that frozen energy every time. Mm -hmm. But that, that untouched part is, if you like, the, the, I call it the, the cosmic carrot, mm -hmm. the, the, the divine part of us, the payoff we get for doing that work. So you mm. go down, it's really incredibly easy to go into that part where we feel unlimited, we feel complete, 
we feel that divine spark. So there's that other side of know, know yourself, know thyself, which is not just to see the mechanical side of you, mm -hmm. but also to see the divine side of you. And they go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. That's really uh, good clarity on that process, which uh, now I imagine you work with clients uh, via Zoom all over the world. So this is the thing that I, I, I find um, amazing is that, so I, I put thousands of hours into working with what I can feel. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear to me um, that what you can feel is pretty much limitless. Um, and I'm going to take a, there's a, so there's a couple of examples I like to, to draw on this because I think this is super interesting and important. Mm. So you were talking before about kind of intuition. So there's a really neat um, study that was done. And although the, the result was that I took from it, I don't think was the purpose of the uh, of the test, but they they basically put a whole lot of uh, kind of what I call human guinea pigs in front of a computer screen. And they the idea was to flash up every 20 seconds a random image. And mm. the image would either be a pleasurable image, could be like, a, I don't know, a little sweet baby or a lovely sunset, or put up an, uh, a discomforting image, like it could be, uh, I don't know, anything that's, going to make the system go recoil a bit. And the, the human guinea pigs were asked to basically try and guess what the next slide coming. And were, the slides were completely random. With the next one to come up, would that be a pleasurable or unpleasurable? The intellect got every single one wrong. They just had, they couldn't, it was useless and incapable of predicting it. They had the sense, the, the scientists at the researchers had the sense to wire up the, 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 the fingers to uh, like a monitor that could sense kind of heart rate, uh, sweat rate. Hmm. And the body could predict what was coming up. Hmm. The body could predict it. How, how that makes, that makes no sense to us on our, on, on our current Western model. That makes no sense to us that our body can predict something that's random. Mm -hmm. It's kind of similar to your deer in the road thing. Right. How is our body able to pick that up? It can. It just can. So yeah. it's clear that, that this capacity that we have, this innate intelligence or this intelligence of the body or both, is able to pick up things well beyond our comprehension, well beyond our understanding of how it does that, but also beyond our geographical. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's so, not even located just where you're at. It can sense things. No, exactly. Potentially it can pick up the deer that's out of sight, mm -hmm. and, but it just knows. Yeah. It's not pattern recognition right. necessarily. It's way beyond that. Um, the other story is that, uh, the author I mentioned, Wolf, before, uh, it was Original Wisdom, actually, I think the name of the book. Mm. And he, one of, on one of his trips to um, the Songhoi tribe, he became friends, actually, with a guy called Amid. Um, they lived in the jungle. They had no concept 
no even word, the word ocean didn't even form part of their vocabulary because they had no concept of ocean mm. or sea because they lived only in the jungle. Um, Wolf was going to the ocean, so he said to Amid, would you like to would you like to come with me? And of course he said, yeah, I absolutely love to come and see what this thing, the ocean is. <laughs> so he, he took him, he went, and Amid came to the ocean, he stood away from it, up under the shade of the trees, and he just stood there for about three or four hours, and he just felt the ocean. <laughs> he returned to the tribe, and then he explained to the tribe all he'd felt. And he said, the ocean goes on way beyond what you can see. Even if you went to that point, the limit of what you can see, it goes on way beyond that. It has valleys in it. It has huge beasts that swim in it. <laughs> he could feel all this. Mm. So tuned in are they to their sense of uh, felt intelligence. Mm -hmm. So we are able to discern through our bodied intelligence, telegraphed to us by what we feel, incredible amounts of things. And I found that I can, when I'm uh, working with people, whether it's in present, you know, physically um, here with me wherever I am or on Zoom, I can feel what they're feeling. So mm. if I ask a question, like, for example, the headache question, I can get, I can tune in, even if they can't feel it, I can feel it and I can help them. Mm. So I go, well, why don't you have a look a little bit to the left of your throat, sort of three quarters of the way up? You might, oh, yeah, I can, oh, yeah, there you go. I can pick that up now. So, yeah, it's incredible what we can feel. Um, and the, it's like a, 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 perhaps an unused muscle. If we're not practice at tuning in, right. we, we lose it. But if we start tuning in, we start putting in uh, the effort to regain that skill, it's incredible how far it and how quickly it comes back. I mean, I, I tell you, after my dad's stroke all those years ago, I absolutely shut down. I could feel nothing. Mm. Really, I felt so little. Mm -hmm. So it was a. I came from ground zero all the way up. I mean, I. I. I it, it, but it took time. So mm -hmm. it is there that anyone can do it if they're willing, if they're willing and interested enough to put the time into it. But the payoff is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And that I also like how you um, you mentioned, uh, and that goes into that holistic perspective of body, mind, emotion, and spirit. And when you go back and you are delving into the uh, cause and effect of some issue, that there is an overseer or a a uh, universal part of yourself that's also just kind of there with the flow and um, is connected. It's the connecting point, but it's not necessarily attached to that drama of the the mental emotional trauma that happens and affects the body it's yeah. just kind of I mean, watching be, it I'd go be, i'd be <laughs> i would be even stronger than that i say it's 100 percent not touched by that right trauma. right uh, there is a higher part of us a higher intelligence whatever you call it a, a higher energy and it's just our, our our stories our dramas they are incapable of of yeah, of, of disturbing that in any way. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like a little chick uh, sort of 
pecking mm-hmm. grain from the feet of an elephant. I mean, it just, it, you know, the elephant there. is totally yeah. untroubled by that. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, because I'd say it, it goes above, uh, there's a veil between it and this incarnation, if you want to look at it like that, where it's, there's a veil that uh, keeps it unbound from these uh, dramas with the drama of yeah. life, you know. Yeah, and I think, but I think practically, I, I, how do I like to think of it? I think that when you, um, when you touch that part, when you go into that part, you know, it, it is, it, it, although it's never the same, it, I always find that there are certain characteristics that are ever present. Hmm. And the words complete and the words boundless and limitless seem to be always flavors that are there mm-hmm. well you know st- story us our dramas are always separate yeah and what is what is to do with separateness isn't doesn't exist in the world of the complete and the boundless and the limitless right so they're kind of incompatible um in the way they operate yeah i uh... I try to rationalize it, and even by going there, I'm already limiting. And I try to even put my sense of feeling into it, and I can get the tendrils of it. But then I'm also limiting it because I'm, I'm approaching it with a tool, so to speak. Um, whereas it is part of I mean, the being, I, you know. I, I would I would say um, that that's that's absolutely correct. My experience, however, on the feeling side is that it can be quite a neat tool to go deeper, to explore deeper into that that thing that we can't put words on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because as one, it is experiential. So it is a, it is, it's not an, in any way is it an intellectual process. Right. It is, it is a felt process. So we, we get these feelings. You can't, you know, when, when we look at the intellect, the intellect can come up with words like boundless and limitless and complete, but they're conceptual because yeah. there's something that the intellect actually can't get a handle on. <laughs> but we can feel them. So our, our felt sense is able to feel um, with great subtlety completeness or boundlessness or limitlessness. Um, so it's quite a useful way to navigate that space when you get a feeling you can simply ask well what's what's even beyond that feeling what's what's deeper into that feeling what's at the center of that feeling and that will functionally take you deeper into this this space that we can't put a name on mm-hmm. yeah it has a radiation it has uh, an emanation from it and that can be felt like kind of the sun's heat can be felt without seeing the rays of the yes yes it can be felt cosmic yeah. rays yeah. as it were and uh, in going through um, a sorting of somebody's life, um, what would be for somebody that wanted to work with you? Do you still work with clients or is this something that you have kind of retired from? And if they did uh, uh, want to work with you, what would be their approach to find you and to uh, what would be their like uh, experience in the beginning part of uh, working with you? Yeah, so the experience is uh, to get down to brass tacks and actually start uh, seeing the beauty of the process. So it is to uh, explore whatever 
that it doesn't even really need to be an issue because you can just simply you can just simply ask the question you know what's perhaps what's blocking you mm. in your life at the moment and how does it feel and that and the body wisdom will always come up with what it is that needs to be uh, you know the number one thing that needs to be dealt with and then you can simply learn uh, how that process works and uh, be, either just be guided through it by someone like myself or do it yourself as, as I do it and I do it on myself every every single day and I love the process the process the a byproduct of that process is to feel more alive mm -hmm. it's it's just every time you go in and you clear a bit of that frozen energy you become one part more alive and uh it just does open you up it just does really open you up and it opens your heart up and it it it, it makes the world a a, a a much more enjoyable place to be in yeah absolutely now when did it all start as far as our fall from this connection um we can look back and we can even look um, back we don't have to look back we can look right now at uh, animals who know what to eat we talked about herbs and and things like that and medicines uh, animals know instinctively what f is their food and what isn't their food they're not just dying from eating poison berries uh, we're disconnected from that we would go out and we would likely die from trying to read the berry if that's the right berry or the right fruit to eat uh, when did this disconnect, is it, is it known when this started or what caused the disconnect in us? Well, I think, yeah, I think you've got to look at, you've got to look at, um, so the René Descartes, that kind of philosophy that came in, I think therefore I am. Mm. And, uh, whilst it was well meant, mm. um, I think that was, that, that was the sort of the death of the kind of holistic Mm -hmm. the approach. and the reason and the reason why he he came up with that and, and and i think it took hold was because you know society was very superstitious then mm -hmm. and 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 that superstition was you know plainly crazy at, at, at times you know the whole idea of kind of how they dealt with witches and, and stuff like that and right. so that introduced the kind of idea that science and the brain kind of they were the masters and everything should serve that mm -hmm. um and of course you know it's compelling isn't it because the, the the brain is so it's so quick it's you know our thoughts are so clear um and we can make incredible gains through science yeah. so i think it was you know very compelling i think then you got things like the industrial revolution kind of which sort of really treat took took man out of nature mm. put him into the factory treated him like a kind of robot um you know where output was all that was really important right and these these trends continued and that to be honest i think things like social media now mm. although they have their really positive sides you know this this whole kind of uh, you know the clickbait the the, the pings uh, the, the 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 never ceasing the what they call the the rot the um when you're tracking down the, is it the you know you, the, the constant feed it's mm -hmm. never ending so mm -hmm. we're we're bombarded um our neurochemistry is bombarded 
our brains are bombarded. We we give away our attention so easily right. on things that have no value. So I think there's there's that whole progression which makes it despite the fact <laughs> it makes it I don't know, it makes it really hard. I was gonna say it makes it really hard to realize the value of tuning in, mm. despite the fact that you see that you know that has caused the planet to be in such a precarious uh state um this kind of head-based thinking um you know there's i go back to that uh, back to the songoi and and there's a the tribe were asked by the government they said the government decided they wanted to plant rubber trees in the in the jungle and they said oh well we'll 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 clear the jungle we'll plant the trees but we'll pay you to just to get the rubber to feed the rubber out of the trees and the songoi said no and the government they just couldn't understand it they were paying them good money it's an easy job just bleed the trees collect the rubber mm-hmm. and they couldn't understand it so wolf got to the bottom of this and basically he said the problem was they they had a, an intuitive understanding that the rubber trees robbed the soil of all its goodness mm. And in fact, subsequently, they did a test and they found that, yeah, after 20, 30 years, the soil has been pretty much, um, you know, laid bare by these trees. Right. The the tribe, this was so an absurd a concept that you would rob the land (laughs) Mm -hmm. in order to give you a benefit in the present day. You, 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 You put your future in jeopardy for a present day gain. Right. That was completely moronic to them yeah and and that is because they're so in tune with what they feel that their sense of you know that of harmony with their environment yeah harmony with themselves harmony with their environment and the problem with our head-based thinking is that we've we've lost that so we do stuff today that puts the planet and our own wellness in in peril yeah, uh, there's uh, and I believe it's Native American um, indigenous custom was to act or make decisions based on a 10 year outcome. How will this be in 10 years based on my action? And uh, it's a real understanding of connection um, in also that connection to uh, the environment by selecting one plant to overrule a whole area is messing with this natural order and cycle choosing one animal to be the animal that you eat or choosing one plant to take over a whole area is going to exactly uh, make the whole thing imbalanced and when you're working in an ecosystem uh, you have to have a balance you have to i mean when you're really working with the earth you really need to make sure things are giving and taking from the soil so that you have year upon year you have a return and that's yeah, but, let's, uh, but let's bring that let's bring that back to the body which is right. the moment that we become imbalanced our thinking becomes imbalanced our actions become imbalanced so to be harmonious we we need to ourselves be harmonious we need ourselves to be uh in tune with all of us rather than just up here in the head um otherwise we're out of sync, not only with ourselves, but with the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh, in the Bible, you have the story of Cain and Abel. And this seems to be a really um, 
interesting story or tale about uh, the balance of two different professions of life, of how to live your life and maybe the outcomes of living that life. Whereas one wanders with the animals, the other one is tied to the land and is uh, beholden to the land to learn the cycles of, of life and of time uh, on a very important scale. Uh, one seemed to be favored over the other, and that was farming versus the hunter-gatherer uh, nomad. Yeah. And um, what we get out of that seems to be culture and development and ultimately a separation. But that separation, going as far back as we can go, seems to be based on uh, trade, seems to be based on having a surplus, having too much of one thing and needing to trade it off and then there needs to be an exchange and i'm not necessarily going to money but i mean it does go to money as being this medium of exchange between two different um you know things and uh there seems to be a big separation that happens with that that money seems to be an overrider and i don't i only mean it in the fact that it's separating us from like this one thing that we're doing to all these other potentials to not even having to farm anymore right yeah i think if you're i think if you work on the basis that you always come from the heart then you can't go too wrong right yeah in modern in modern times we're we're uh, like you were saying we have all of these different stimuli coming in i've kind of looked to see how uh certain senses of ours have been utilized in technology uh we absolutely would like we still have the ability to know who's going to call before they call but that's definitely gotten muted a bunch because maybe we see them every 20 minutes on facebook or something like that um you know we're not hearing it because we're now looking and seeing it all the time it's just a constant flow of distraction perhaps to different senses that we have uh, would you do you have any kind of uh, remedy for this level? Is it just to disconnect or reconnect with ourselves? <laughs> I think dis I think I think connect where you really need to connect. Mm -hmm. But I, I I feel squandering your attention on stuff that you're you're. I mean, no one's no one's going to come to their end of life surely and say, "I wish I'd spent more time on social media. I wish I'd spent more time on TikTok." <laughs> right <laughs> um i i i i just think our attention is precious um you know there is a there is a functional issue here which is that the brain and the intellect is super quick mm -hmm. um our felt sense takes a little longer so you know if we are going to tune in and get all the benefits and there are so many benefits of tuning in if we want to feel more alive, if we want to feel more connected, literally, mm -hmm. um, it's a matter of just giving ourselves a bit more space to kind of see how we're feeling about things uh, throughout the day, rather than spending all our time on, on, on devices or engaged in things where everything is quick, fast, mm -hmm. um, and very reactive. Because it also builds into us a habit and a pattern uh, of accepting or wanting uh, that stimulus to, to maintain that height 
it's an addiction of sorts where we kind of get hooked to uh, absolutely you know. I mean, our neurochemistry is you know so strong it it, it, it they you know that's why these social media platforms are and i'm not i'm not against them at all i think in many ways some of these things are incredible um i've got a, a two daughters who both you know young young ladies who are able to sell products around the world in a way you know when i was young you could never have done so they you know, they have some great qualities about them these these platforms but we just need to be careful to judicious in how we're using them mm -hmm. and not just to become a slave to them um you know because that that it, it doesn't it's not deep satisfaction right um how often do i hear my own daughter saying oh, i wish i would spent so much time wasted all that time doing this or doing that because it's there's no deep satisfaction from that right i i i see it as a tool and i try to use it most specifically for business um but of course it's not the era that we're in you know you know if you want to connect with people that you haven't seen if you want to keep up with them that seems to be what these uh these tools have adapted to uh, yeah, I, yeah and i think that's i think that's great that 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 aspect of the connect connectivity is great but we have to be careful that when we're connecting that is that is quality connection mm -hmm. i mean, I, i'm amazed how often i go to a like a restaurant these days and i see two kids and they're having dinner and they're both on their phones and yeah. i'm going well you know put your phones down and connect with each other right they're usually chatting so, with somebody else that's not there yeah and it's like or what you're watching yeah. something on the like a movie and you're on two different you know applications at the same time yeah right you know quality of your attention is important yeah and if you're nothing's more interesting than being with people and engaging them with them properly but that requires you know you to to connect to listen to feel what i worry about is the coming generations that didn't have the the non-connected life you know i have a good portion of my life that was not connected to these um distractions but those that are born in this time are growing up in a world that is completely saturated in themselves the pictures of or videos of themselves and their friends and ultimately this otherworldly type of connection but is it otherworldly i mean we would have that connection naturally if we were just within ourselves but it's a it's almost like a use it or lose it if we're not using those powers within ourself of connection of um of even psychic connection of knowing what somebody's thinking um are we losing the ability to uh, wield those uh, parts of ourselves yeah i think it's a big worry yeah i think it's a really big worry and i think uh, you know if you stay if you stay in your head the whole time you become disembodied mm. and you it's it's uh it's not good for your mental health for your well-being i i really do have concerns about that and it's and it's this these 
these the technology today is so compelling mm. that it's hard to see how you can come up with something other than a good old-fashioned crisis that gets <laughs> you to go within that's right that gets you to stop and think mm -hmm. and um you know it's gonna it's a it's it's a big problem yeah uh, and, and that leads to this other issue that we have, and I call it an issue, is uh, AI, which seems to be a disembodied, incarnate thing that we have and continually develop and build and create that seems to be devoid of the emotional side of all of it. Um, though it can pretend and act, it has mainly a computer function uh, to it. Um, we can really see a lot about our own self and how we work as a mechanism uh, by looking at the way that AI has developed, but are we dealing with a separate consciousness in AI, or will we be? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know is the answer to that. I think, for me, the important thing with AI is to understand what you want from it mm -hmm. and what it gives you. Um, so it does seem on the positive side that AI has the potential to save time and to do stuff that is boring or, or, or mundane. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there's a, there is a value there, but if, if you're just using that, uh, time saving or taking out the mundane to do other mundane stuff or to do to do more right. more stuff that's not helping you then i'm not sure what your gain is um i do think it has a value in so the intellect will tend to operate in the areas that it feels most comfortable in mm. um as a function of you know the, our brains are very energy um inefficient they use up a lot of energy and therefore we tend to always be looking for the easiest route the safest route what we know um so there was when the um i think it's, so the new program was alpha blue but i think that alpha no alpha go sorry alpha go came out of um was it big blue or deep blue which was the ibm program played chess mm. against Kasparov, I guess in the eighties or nineties. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, and it beat Kasparov. Um, and then they, they decided to, um, develop it to play go, which actually is a more intuitive game. Yeah. Um, and I, my, my, I'm afraid my memory fails me, but it's something like the fifth move of the second game in this tournament, which AlphaGo did win. Um, against Lee Seidel, mm. where um, it's a big event. The, the, the match is happening in front of a huge audience of people who love this game Go. Yeah. And um, in this fifth move of the second game, the computer comes up with a, a move that literally the whole audience gasps. Mm. It's so... I mean, they think originally that the computer has made a mistake. Mm -hmm. the, the move is so outlandish, so untypical of the way Go is played. But in fact, it transpired, transpired that it was a winning move. Hmm. So what the computer had done there through its own self-learning without the limits of the intellect is realize there was another way of doing something which was more effective. 
So in that sense, I think AI can help us. It can help us break out of the box mm. and see things that we we find hard to see. Yeah. Possibly because we don't feel. <laughs> right. It may be easier to use our feelings, but in absence of using our feelings to find those things that we, we haven't seen in our intellect, then I think AI can help. Mm. So I think that like it's a bit like social media, isn't it? I mm -hmm. think there are there are pros and there are cons. Mm -hmm. What we have to be is very attentive to what does this mean for us as individuals? What does it mean for our happiness? What does it mean for the way we lead our lives? Yeah. How does it impact on others? Which is kind of again comes back to being heart based, doesn't it? It's actually caring yeah. about the impact mm -hmm. rather than just going perhaps headlong into it. Yeah, there is a uh, need for the heart in our decisions. When we're making that 10 year decision, we need to think of the feeling forward versus uh, just the best course of action. And I think chess would be a, a really good analytical approach to living life, whereas it's very, you know, if you make this move, this is the outcome. I'm not familiar with Go, but that's how I understand it too, the way you described it. Yes, that, I, that I would agree with that. And and there's nothing, I mean, the analytical approach is a good approach, right? but it's not as good approach as if you, as if you come from it from you know, a, a felt sense, a heart sense, and a gut sense. Mm -hmm. It's when all three are in tune and in harmony, that's when you know that's a great, you know, conclusion or action to take. Yeah. And and in, in ourselves, when we can get back to a place in our uh, past that had control over us or had locked up the energy, we want to kind of bring in that whole self we want to become a whole person so we want to go to that place and kind of cure it of the uh response that emotional response and kind of bring in a wholeness of a now that i'm here i don't have to be ruled by that decision when exactly. i was seven or whatever exactly. yeah you can you can you can take um once you take that that charge which is kind of driving the agenda if you take that out then you can't come back to a uh, a point. And as a sort of an aside here, you can you can literally ask if you're facing a, a decision in your life. And I would suggest anyone does this, like a bigger decision in your life. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, what do I what do I think about this? How does it feel intellectually? How does it feel at the heart level? And how does it feel at the gut level? And you will because they want different things. Right. You will get three different answers, but you're really what you're looking for is three different green lights. You know, if you have <laughs> two of them saying green light and one of them saying red light, then unless you, you're going to have conflict and you're going to have issues. There. So the idea is to find out what part, if there is a part that is unsure or doesn't want to do something, you know, then you can get to the heart of the que question. What is it? What, what about this? do you not like or do you not want and it may be oh you just want reassurance or you want this extra thing as well and then you bring that in and everything's green light and all to go or it may be no this i don't want this because this is not right for me mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's good i do that a lot i kind of weigh out my future i kind of scan play out or you know uh, uh role play into the future to kind of see and assess how i'm going to potentially feel 
and um, and weigh out these different factors in a, in an outcome that I may be looking to make in the future. And, and that is a, it's a good practice. I feel like it's, it's foresight in a sense. Yeah, it's a great practice. And it, but it, I, I, you know, I just, I suggested to try it out, to literally be very specific and say, you know, what do I think of this outcome at, at the intellect level? Mm -hmm. And then map that out, log it all, see what comes out and then do it again at the heart level mm. and then log it out and at the gut level. And you'll find there are three different things. Yeah. And as I say, if all three can be green light, you can be pretty confident that that's a, a good way to go. doesn't guarantee the outcome, but it means that you're, you're coherent. Mm. Yeah. It means you're aligned. Yeah. It means that you're, that you're moving forward, forward with purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Purpose and power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. great. I, mean, I think the combination of having power and an open heart, that's an unbeatable combination. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, it was a great discussion today. It's good having you on the show. Well, uh, Nick's been a great pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for, for having me. And where can the uh, listeners and watchers, where can they find you, find your work, and maybe get in touch with you for some uh, some sessions? Thank you, Nick. Well, I have a website, which is uh, www.embodiedintelligence.world, uh, or lowercase. And that uh, that explains everything we've been chatting about today. That's great. And that's .world, not .com or .net or anything like no, that? No, .world, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And they can find your books there as well? Indeed. Excellent, excellent. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for being on today. And... Uh, uh, any last words for the listeners? No, I think we covered a we covered a good uh, a good range, haven't we today? Oh yeah, and, uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Take care.